2: Welcome back to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast. We have been gone for a little while, but I'm here to introduce a new player in our uh, little paranormal extravaganza. This is my new podcast partner, Dan. Dan, tell me about yourself.
3: Hey guys, uh, my name's Dan Martson. I'm coming to you from uh, south of the moon on the banks of the beautiful Snake River, and I've got a hankering for Aliens, Space, What's Out There, The Obscure. Uh, I like trivia. Uh, If you uh, Google me, you might find that I've been a contestant on a little game show called Jeopardy. Yeah, no big deal. Um, But yeah, that's me. That's my life. Humble brag, humble brag, hashtag humble brag.
2: (laughs) I love it, Dan.
3: (laughs) Thank you. Um, now, now Lee, I've heard that you have been doing some work in your neck of the woods.
2: Yeah. Um, so in our little hiatus, I didn't mention this, but I was bringing up and building a studio. So I do have that studio built. It is officially named the haunted barn studios. I've checked. There's no studio named haunted barn studios yet. Trademark.
3: Trademark. <laughs> <laughs> nice dude i saw that on the beyond terrestrial facebook page everyone like us on facebook you can see what lee's up to absolutely
2: and i'm still coming to you from the bell witch's backyard so that hasn't changed but i am just west of the haunted barn that i built the haunted barn studios after
3: Ooh, creepy
2: so dan um today we were going to be talking about ghost stories
3: Uh, Yes, real ghost stories. Yes,
2: true ones from people that we actually have spoken to. They're supposed to be first-hand ghost stories, at least for the most part. Dan, I hear you've got something about a college up in your area.
3: Yeah, so when we decided to do a show on real ghost stories, uh, my first thought was the Albion Normal School in Albion, Idaho. Um, When I moved down here, uh, the first thing I heard about when it came to paranormal activity was the Albion Normal School. Um, Now, I guess a little backstory, a little history. Um, The Albion Normal School was founded in 1893, as a land grant university and uh you keep hearing me call it normal school a normal school lee I don't know if you've heard this a normal school is actually a teacher university Oh so it teaches teachers Yeah exactly okay. that's what they were doing they were training teachers for new towns here in the old west um and, in fact, when the town of Albion was founded, a lot of the bigger cities that now exist on the banks of the beautiful Snake River were not around. Uh, it was settled by people who came north from Utah. And so between between there and Boise, there was not much. A couple stage stops, you know? It was wide open country back then.
2: I thought there was like a like a a massive story that they made a video game out of based out of Albion. Am I wrong?
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, you're not wrong. Uh, Albion is actually a super common name. Uh, Albion is an old word for England, actually.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. So, uh, like, most states have a town named Albion. It's just a super common one. Um, But anyways, when Albion was founded, Albion, Idaho, um, it was uh, the seat of the county. It was the most populous city in the county, and they lobbied to have a university built. And in 1893, they got it. Um, Now, later on, economics and uh, irrigation and all kinds of things changed the whole face of of the snake river plain out here and the town of Albion shrunk dramatically. And in 1951, the state closed the Albion normal school for good. Um, now there was an interim between 1957 and 1969 where the campus was operated as the magic Valley Christian college. Um, from 1969, when the Christian College closed, until 2007, um, the buildings on the campus sat completely vacant. So, it was it was a long time. And again, the oldest building there is from 1893. That's as old as it gets out in the state of Idaho.
2: Oh, yeah. that's so. I mean, I, I grew up or spent some time in Idaho and... Yeah, I mean, when you're on the West Coast, you're not looking at the same kind of time frame that you are here in Tennessee and other places like that. Um, You've got, if you're 200 years old or close to 200 years old, that's an impressive um, building.
3: No, for sure. So, in uh, 2007, some new owners bought it, the Mortensons, and I actually got to speak with one of them, so that was really interesting. Um, And... They started it as a kind of a retreat, uh, updated the grounds a lot, and they started a, uh, a haunted house that they run all through October. Now, because of the haunted house and because of all the years that it sat there, this giant, creepy place... Uh, lots and lots of stories have gone around about the location being very haunted, and it even made an appearance on uh, Ghost Adventures, you know, one of those ghost hunt shows. Okay. Yeah. So I talked with uh, Heather Mortensen. She's one of the owners, and she told me a little bit about uh, some of the stories that have happened up there, and I'd like to regale you with a few of them. (laughs) Alright. Well, I'm gonna sit
2: back, take a drink, and listen.
3: Alright. So, on closing night of the mansions, that's the uh, haunted house that they run every October. So, this was the last night she heard a voice coming from upstairs that said, Wait. Don't leave. Uh, now some customers who were visiting the haunted house, because I I love being scared. I've been up there for the haunted house. It's a great time. Um, They were coming down the stairs, and they all said how creepy that was. How weird it was to hear a voice go, wait, don't leave. Right? So she went upstairs to congratulate the actor who was performing in this haunted house that they had done a good job for the night and that everyone was all finished she goes upstairs there's no one there that voice came from the ether that's creepy so, who knows that's cool yes and and the thing is other people heard it other people heard this voice commented how freaky it was and when she went up there, there was nobody. That that's just right. creepy. Yes. Now uh, here's another story. Um, one of the nights during the haunted mansions, which is the again this big event, um, five or six different actors came out of the clown house. They do a creepy clown house. Oh man. Okay, so side note on the creepy clown house, <laughs> there's like this, there's like this catwalk uh, that goes through a tunnel, and they have the lights spin in the tunnel. Have you been through one of these, Lee?
2: Yes, I have.
3: Dude, it messes with your head. Oh my gosh, if the creepy clowns weren't bad enough, you have you get vertigo, and then someone pops out at you, totally crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's the
5: point. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, oh, so so wild. But anyways, um, these actors from the clown house come running out and they say something crazy is happening. All right. She goes in there. The lights are flashing, flickering on and off. Is someone out there messing with? No, they're just going crazy all of a sudden. And all of the actors said that they saw a full-body shadow pass through the wall several times while the lights flicked on and off. Creepy. Lee, have you ever seen a full-body shadow? You know,
2: I I have, but only when I'm standing in daylight and it's on the ground next to me. I
3: know. What I... I've never experienced anything like this myself. Um, I've heard so, stories
2: about it, and it has to be one of the creepiest things that could could happen to you.
3: And, and the thing is, this is not a single eyewitness report. This is five or six people telling their boss that they saw an apparition. See, that's not something like, if I saw an
2: apparition or like... Or, like, something like that that truly freaked me out. I feel like the last person I want to tell is my boss.
3: Is your boss? Oh, man. So, those, those are two very specific stories. Now, there's a lot of general stories. Uh, one, of the, one of the first ones that I heard was about the cook in Comish Hall. Um, Who can be seen in the window And the thing is I've heard this story From multiple sources Locals uh, Kids who've been up there Old people Even older people said Yes there is a person in that window So That's a classic one And uh, of course they've had A a lot of construction workers Come through the place You know they've done a lot of great updating up there Uh, I've been up there for weddings and stuff They do family reunions up there It's not just a creepy place Um, In the daytime it's beautiful But um, You know Footsteps People have seen shapes Out in the quad walking up and down uh, When no one's there that they swear are college students. So a lot of weird stuff up there, man. And in fact, um, when I brought up ghost stories to some of my coworkers, one of them revealed to me that in his delinquent youth, he had actually broken in to one of the buildings there. Now, uh, I do not advocate breaking and entering Right, and in fact, uh, Heather, the one of the owners, told me that it's very common. People still think they can just go up there and do whatever they want, right? Which is terrible. But, anyways, um, they went in with a video camera to the auditorium, and they were taking videos, and thought they saw something. They played back the video. And in it, there was very clearly the shape of a man on the stage. One that they could not see with the naked eye, but appeared on the video camera. Now, naturally, they were freaked out and ran back out to the window, the basement window, where they had made their little uh, misdemeanor crime. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and my, my co-worker, who's a larger guy, uh, had to help everyone out of the window. So he had to be the and last s- person in there, huh? The last man standingly, <laughs> and he said, as everyone else escaped, he could still hear footsteps coming down the hallway.
2: Oh. oh. I just got physical shudders from that thought. <laughs> like-
3: yes. Yes. So they, they made their escape, Sat on the stairs outside And uh, Like I said they had brought a video camera So they were trying to film Their reactions You know what did you see What was there And as they're recounting this tale A loud Boom 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 Ooh. On the boarded up windows And they ran
2: <laughs> Oh Oh Oh, I don't even think I would have stayed on the steps in the first place, but <laughs> wow.
3: Yeah. Yeah, dude. So that is that is um, the story of the most haunted location, probably within a hundred mile radius of my house.
2: Oh, wow. Hey, I had yeah. one question for you. Um, yeah, he go mentioned that You mentioned that your buddy had a video or did the video. He doesn't happen to have access to that video, does he?
3: You know, I don't know. He said one of his other friends had the camera. That would be very interesting. I should follow up with him on that. That sounds great, Lee.
2: Yeah, so if we follow up, maybe we can get a hold of that. And we, if we can find it, we'll
3: put it up on the Facebook page or Twitter. And you know what else? We should also probably put some links up to uh, the the school's website. Uh, where they do like retreats and stuff, so people can see pictures of this location.
2: Definitely, definitely, we'll put those in the show notes for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. That's a great story, and it was a lot creepier than I, um, than I had initially anticipated. Um, so, I liked it. I liked it a lot.
3: Yeah, the place the place is pretty creepy. When you go up there for the uh, haunted house deal that they do, it it'll really freak you out. Um, and then in the daytime, you know what? It's actually not a bad spot for a family reunion. <laughs> yeah, you were saying that it's beautiful up there and, and I you know I lived yeah. in that
2: area for a while. I can imagine it's um, it's a beautiful place to be.
3: Yeah. So pretty cool deal. Now, Lee, um, we I've told you some stories about a local haunt. You got in contact with some ladies who actually look into this, some real paranormal investigators.
2: Yes, um, I got in contact with the ladies from Elite Vixen Paranormal. They are a local all-women paranormal group, um, and they are fantastic people. I got a chance to talk to them for a couple hours, and I got a few minutes, about a half hour of video, or not a video, of audio recording that um i got to get from them and they told me several stories um and they have some stories that are personal they've got some stories that are um specific to uh, a local um building that we have in the area and uh i'm just going to pass it off to that interview for the next few minutes and i hope everybody enjoys Hey everybody, welcome back to the Beyond Terrestrial podcast. I have a few special guests on this episode. They are the ladies from Elite Vixen Paranormal. They are a local um, ghost hunting group, and I'll let them tell you a little bit more about themselves. Uh, This is uh, Chanel, Jessica, and Samantha. Chanel, Jessica, tell us about yourselves. And Samantha, sorry.
0: Uh, Well, we are an all-female paranormal team, uh, of course, based out of Nashville, Tennessee. And, um, yeah, we do things just like the guys do. Our mission is kind of to represent the women within the paranormal field because we feel that women are underrepresented, and Uh they're always in, like, the background. And so we're here to prove to the world that we can do things just as good as the boys can. Sam says better.
2: (laughs) <laughs> hey you know what sam i actually agree most of the time when we hear about people that are uh, um, sensitive to ghosts and stuff like that it's usually women so
4: i agree 100 percent. not just that but um, we're a little bit more organized than men too just saying <laughs> throwing that out there
2: hey hey oh, you're probably right you're probably right
4: um so how many of there
2: are you um it sounds like there were four but maybe there are more
4: there's currently four of us. Um, we are looking to expand our group a little bit, but not too much because quality over quantity. Okay. Um, more of a sisterhood than, you know, a team. So we like to be close to whoever we let in. Oh, that's that's awesome. That's great. Um, and and then, I think that brings better energy on investigations, too.
2: Oh, I would agree. If you're friends with the people that you're working with, it's so much easier to... Uh, have a good dynamic and have positive energy going into the um whatever situation you're in
4: well not only that but it's better for safety too because you know you know somebody well enough you know when they're not acting right oh
2: absolutely um so what is the like radius do you guys or ladies sorry do you ladies just go around um the general nashville area or have you gone out in farther
4: Um, we're fixing to go out further. We actually have a hunt coming up in Mississippi. Our rule of thumb right now, as it is for this year, at least, uh, we got about a six hour radius. We'll drive anywhere within six hours.
2: Oh, wow. That's a pretty good radius, honestly.
4: Yeah. Especially
2: (laughs) down in this area.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can get many places.
2: (laughs) Um, so tell me more about how you vet situations that you're going to go into, um, and how you, decide to do an investigation
0: well this is chanel and what we do for investigations like when we decide is for we prefer to do you know like established um you know older houses places like that um but when it comes to private and private investigations we actually do a little bit of a psych eval um because there's a thin line between paranormal and psychological and so i actually i have a degree in psychology and i'm working on my degree in counseling my master's degree and so I can actually do the psych end of it and I will interview the potential client and really dive into like their mental health and you know I ask some pretty invasive questions and I do let them know beforehand like hey I need to do this so that way then we can try and determine if it is paranormal or if it is you know maybe something else um so that's definitely something that we do but other than that we we you know, for any kind of like, like Sam was saying, we're fixing to do a uh, an investigation in Mississippi, and we found that through word of mouth, through Facebook. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, awesome!
2: Um, and that's actually really good. I, I I appreciate that you you take that time to ensure that you've got a a, a true situation or a true haunting, uh, or at least um, the person you're you're speaking to is. Um, is of sound mind to be making those statements of, yeah, something weird is happening. Because um, you, you'd hate to get into those situations where you've got that unfortunate person that's just uh, not quite psychologically ready for um, you to really delve in.
0: Right, and on more than one occasion, honestly, I think since in the couple of years that I've been doing this now, I want to say probably about four or five times We've actually, like, I've actually had to tell people, look, before we even attempt to come in and investigate, you need to go and you need to get seen and you need to be evaluated because it is a safety issue, number one. Number two, you run into the problem of if we don't do that and we go in, then we're running into constantly getting called and getting called and getting called and not, and there's no issue that we can actually help.
2: Oh, yeah. That makes absolute sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That sounds exactly like, uh, or very similar to how um, uh, the Catholic Church now views um, going in for exorcisms. They they always want to make sure it's truly uh, a situation before they step in.
0: Right, exactly. And that's why they do so few, I mean, they do much less exorcisms than they used to do.
2: Absolutely. It's probably safe, much safer for a lot of people, though. So, yeah do you have any stories that you want to tell uh, my listeners um, we're really going after that kind of spooky factor so uh, I'm gonna leave the table to you um, to you three and just see what what you've got um,
5: have fun <laughs> hi so this is Jess um, I actually had an encounter probably about six or seven months ago um, I was about seven months pregnant at the time. So I was a little bit more sensitive. Um, Normally when you're pregnant, you just have a little bit more um, sensitivity to the paranormal world. And I was watching TV and I had my door open. And outside of my bedroom is the living room and the kitchen. And um, I was watching TV. It was probably about midnight and it was a school week. And I have a seven-year-old daughter. Well, I saw a little girl walk in front of my door kind of fast. And at first, I thought it was my daughter because she was a little, you know, it was very quickly looked around my daughter's age, long brown hair like my daughter. Um, But she had on a long white nightgown. And thinking it was my daughter and it was a school night, I started yelling her name, saying, you better get back to bed never heard anything or saw anything, so I walked into the other room to get her thinking she was trying to hide, play a joke on me, I'd get a snack or something like that, so I started looking around and didn't see anything, so I'd go to her bedroom to check on her, and she's fast asleep in bed wearing pink pajamas, so then I realized that it wasn't my daughter. Um, I get out the REM pod and put the REM pod into the living room and start asking questions, to see if I can make contact and I get a response on the rim pod and I ask the little girl to if she can change the color of the rim pod and right after I said that immediately it changed to a different color. Wow that's awesome. And so yes it was I was a little bit scared but excited at the same time have to admit but um, I kept trying to communicate with her but After that, I didn't get any more responses, so I just went to bed. And then a few days later, I actually woke up with a child's handprint on my chest, and I didn't have any child sleeping with me. It it was much smaller than my hand. Um, I even took a picture of it and sent it to the other girls in my group and asked them if it looked like a handprint to them, and they all agreed that it did look like a handprint. Um, And then... After that, it pretty much, I had my daughter, my second daughter, and haven't seen anything. I, mo- I actually moved as well um, and haven't had any other experiences from the little girl after that, but it was a pretty cool experience, and I never felt scared or anything like that, but it was just neat to experience it.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, now, you mentioned that when you're pregnant, uh, you, uh, you, you tend to be more sensitive. And from what I've heard on, granted, I'm not an expert in the subject at all, but from what I've heard, it, it seems to be in those situations where people are um, kind of in between, um, in between the two worlds, so you, you're, you're growing a new life inside of you, um, and the same kind of thing happens when somebody is close to death. I actually had a situation, and I'll tell you guys one of my stories, I know I kind of surprised you with this, but... Um, my grandmother and grandfather were in a band for their entire life. Um, and my grandfather, uh, passed away about a week prior to my grandmother and my grandmother was really the one that was very sick. And, uh, one more or one night about 3am, my mom says that, um, she was laying in bed with my grandmother after my grandfather had passed away. And my grandmother starts trying to get up, um, and starts trying to get ready to go. Um, my mom asked her what she's doing. Uh, and she says, I'm getting ready for the show. Um, my grandma had no reason to be thinking that there was a show, but she said she's getting ready for the show, and she was determined to go. When my mom tried to get her to lay back down, she says, um, no, uh, Ab, who was her husband, and then she mentions her father, who was uh, the original leader of the band, and several other members of the band, and her mother are all there waiting for, her. they want to go to the show. So it's one of those things that I personally think that um, when you're kind of in between when when, you're, when, when that that life is on transition, um, you tend to be closer to the spirit world.
5: Yes, I definitely think that's true. That's why a lot of people um, say that or a lot of children are very sensitive as well.
2: Yes, yes. That's an awesome story. This was Jessica. do I am I correct? yes oh thank you so much for that story that's gonna definitely the whole interviews getting in this thing um, was there anybody else
4: any other stories that want, wanted to be told yeah I got one for you and um, it's not super spooky but it's kind of spooky in the way of intuition and how that works okay all right so my team and I we were at octagon Hall in Franklin Kentucky um, and we were there doing an investigation, and we were kind of winding down the night. I'd say it was about probably 2 a.m., somewhere right in there. And me and Chanel were at base, just kind of watching cameras, and everybody else was kind of off doing their own thing in the basement. And we're sitting there, and Chanel's about falling asleep. <laughs> hey, hey,
0: hey, hey, <laughs> you know what? I will need more
4: coffee. she just needed more coffee, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> And so I just I just had this feeling that I needed to go to the dining room. So I grab a reporter for EVP and I start walking towards the dining room and I kind of just stop right in the doorway and I look at the table. And on these on this table, there were uh, two flameless candles sitting on a silver tray. Now, in order to turn these candles on, you have to pick, pick them up and flip the switch all the way over.
2: Okay, and yeah there, like, yeah,
4: right. I mean, some significant, you know, you have to pick it up, turn it over, flip it all the way, and it's on. Yeah. So I look at this table, and the flameless candle was on. I'm like, guys, guys, has this been on the whole time? Like, seriously? And, you know, we went around to everybody in the group, and everybody's like, well, I didn't turn it on. I didn't turn it on. We're like, okay. Well, anyways, our cameras that we had, our static cameras, we're not focused on the table. All right? Okay. Okay but the venue actual octagon hall cameras had their camera focused on the table so we were able to go back into their footage by giving them the time and they were able to find the candle turning on by itself now i say this is kind of a spooky intuition story because if i hadn't brought it up or realized it we never would have had the footage we would have never seen it in ours
2: yeah, and that's that's I think is part of it. It seems like so many times you look at these stories where the person just shut off the uh, recorder, or or they just kind of gave up, or the recorder just ran out of batteries. Um, the best, I think, the hard part is the best recording device, but at the same time, the the worst one for being actually accurate is the human eye, the human mind, and the human intuition. Um, Because those other recorders fail you at the the worst possible time.
0: Yeah, for us, this is Chanel. For us, because we are scientifically based, it really sucks when that happens. No. (laughs) Because for us, you know, we take personal experiences and things like that. They're experiences. We can't call that evidence. And so when you run into situations, like you said, where equipment fails or it didn't record and you're like oh my gosh but we still talk about it Mm -hmm. but at that point in time it's like scrapped evidence i mean i guess for lack of a better term because we have no proof and And
2: that's the unfortunate thing that's what science demands
0: absolutely yep absolutely
2: (laughs) okay so that was uh that was samantha Samantha. correct yeah perfect thank you samantha thank you for the story um i guess there's chanel left did you have anyone that you wanted to tell
0: I mean, I got a couple. Okay. <laughs> um. Let's see. I don't. Okay. So, well, Jessica covered children. So, because I do have a story related to bringing children home, Children's spirits. Home. Okay. Um. Let's see. Sam discussed the candle at Octagon Hall. So, I guess for me, I'm thinking. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Okay. No, so. Okay. I have two different um, audio experiences. Okay. Um, both of them are from Octagon Hall in Franklin, Kentucky. And uh, as Samantha mentioned. And so the first time that I had went to Octagon Hall, there's a little backstory, a little bit of history. So the Caldwell family, when, you know, they owned slaves because, you know, it was the late uh, 17 or 1800s, middle 1800s. And they used to have their servants whistle when they were going into the house from the summer kitchen to the main house. That way then, you know, the Caldwells knew, hey, you know, the servants are coming in. And so I was there, it was probably like 2, 2.30 in the morning, and I'm outside and all of a sudden I hear whistling. And I looked at my partner, and I was, you know, I was with, him. I was like, did you just whistle? And he was like, no, no, you heard that too? And I was like, yeah. And we were right around the summer kitchen area. So that was really significant, especially because it correlated with the history. And, you know, when we're trying to do this the way that we do it, you know, correlation, that's, that's, like, awesome.
2: Did you, did you happen to get that on recording, or was that just you yeah
0: yeah yeah we did we got it on our uh, audio recorder and actually um our video guy then had went and like or our audio technician whatever uh he had went and amplified it this is on mine and sam's previous team so we actually don't have that as much as we would like to um but it was still really like awesome and like awesome experience and awesome evidence you just can't you can't like deny things like that
2: no, and that, that's the kind of thing that it's just, it's bordering on creepy, but it's not, you know, it's not scary. It's just like, oh, wow, that makes the hairs on the back of your neck kind of um, right. stand up.
0: Absolutely. And uh, my second one, which is pure experience, because um, we were in the middle of setup. And uh, it was just me and a, and a previous team member. She had to step away from the team because she has some things going on. Um, you know, which we totally understand. Um, yeah. So uh, she and I were there doing our tech setup, just the two of us in the house. And uh, we're actually setting up the DVR system. And I was on the main floor at Octagon Hall and she was upstairs, you know, setting up the cameras. And I hear whistling. And, and I yelled upstairs to her. I was like, were you just whistling? And she was like, no, I'm up here setting up a camera. And I was and it was like a sing songy type whistle. Or I'm sorry, not yeah, it was they were singing, not a whistle. I was sorry. It was a whistle, not yeah, and they were singing a song and it was like not like I could make out the words, but it was like a tune. And so they it was were like whistling amazing. to
2: a tune or was it like
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, all right. And it was like just the coolest thing ever because, you know, I heard it. Of course, didn't have any evidence or any wasn't able to capture because we had none of our systems set up at that point in time. Didn't have a voice recorder on me, but that was at like three, four o'clock in the afternoon.
2: Oh wow, and oh, that yeah. that that one's strange. That just because it's kind of just out there, um, in the ether. And um, do you ever feel like these these experiences? In, like, let's talk about Octagon Hall specifically, because it sounds like you've got a lot there. Do you feel yeah, like these experiences are more intelligent? Uh, I know the the little the little girl one that seemed like there was some intelligence there, um, but do you feel like maybe the octagon hall one may be more of like a um, oh I can't remember what they call those the uh, um, the replays kind of thing?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's necessary residual. It's definitely intelligent um, because. If you look back on like our YouTube video or our Facebook and you go back to March. Well, it might not have been, it might have been a little bit after March. Maybe like May-ish, June-ish. We had finally gone through our video and all of that. Um, They had an episode in the basement that was uh, Samantha, Kayla, and then uh, two other people. And uh, two other women. And... We had 20 solid minutes of intelligent responses on the REM pod. The K2s going off. Um, they have at Octagon Hall. There is a it used to be um, like a slave the slave tunnel for the them to come from the summer kitchen to the winter kitchen, and um, it also was where once the uh, Civil War happened, Confederate soldiers were hid. Okay. And and so the um it's triggered by a motion sensor light and this mo- this light was coming on by itself and we got up there and we're trying to debunk it you know trying to set the thing off and the only way we could set it off was by getting like right next to the, in front of the spotlight so the fact that it was going off on its own it, behind the closed door was just like amazing so you know i definitely feel that most of the spirits at octagon hall are intelligent um we do know of course that mary the daughter that you know died in her bedroom the one that she caught fire in the kitchen in the basement in the winter kitchen you know she's there she hangs out in her bedroom uh there's said to be a civil war soldier that hangs out up in the attic and when i was in the attic um the first time, I actually, on a voice recorder, got an audible, hey, right in my ear, and I was the only one in the attic.
2: Oh, that's one of those hair-standing moments. Like.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm on my voice recorder, and I literally was like, oh, my God. Like, that did not happen right in my ear.
2: Oh, you just telling me that. I'm just like, oh, because I've got the <laughs> headphones on, so I'm hearing you say that, and I'm just imagining that happening. And I'm like, oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's so cool. Like, it's so cool. But it, it can be scary, too, you know, but it's so cool.
2: That's absolutely amazing. Um, those stories are fantastic. Yeah. Um, how can my listeners, if they, if they were looking for somebody to help them out with something, how could my listeners contact you?
0: Well, we have, of course, our Facebook page. You know, we're, um, just search Elite Vixen Paranormal on Facebook. You're going to find us. Our Instagram handle is at Elite Vixen Paranormal. Um, we have a phone number. It's 615 669 1474. That's our phone number. Of course, if you Google us, you're going to find us on a couple different websites. We have two websites ourselves. And uh, yeah, pretty much just look for us and you can easily find us on the internet
2: that's exactly how i found you i'm i'm so glad i stumbled across you trying to find somebody to interview um so i want to thank you for coming on i want to thank your um your whole team uh and it, it's been an amazing um conversation and interview so far um did you all want to say uh, goodbye to
0: my listeners oh yeah absolutely hold on we gotta uh, get samantha she uh she took off so right now it's just me and jessica (laughs)
2: sorry no you're okay i'm okay it makes it more real
0: (laughs) what do you want to say to the to the listeners sam um y'all should come out for a a hunt sometime
2: oh definitely (laughs) i'll I'll tell them all to get in contact I apologize.
0: everybody
5: to get in contact with us. Thanks for listening to us and hanging out with us. Thank
0: you so much, you as well, for having us on your podcast. We really enjoyed it, and we appreciate you.
2: No problem. Okay, Dan, what did you think of that video or that audio?
3: Hey, um... I was shocked by some of these stories. The one, the very first one about the little girl. Oh, yeah. If I, if I saw that in my house, we would spend the night in a hotel.
2: <laughs> right? Like,
5: that was just. 100%. It really hits
2: home when you have a child of your own. Like, I can imagine that exact thought process, like. Jocelyn, what are you doing? Get in bed, like, and then like getting up. And if she was still asleep in completely different outfit, I'm with you. I'd be gone. I'd be gone. Oh,
3: yeah, no, I don't. I don't do creepy kids. I don't like movies with creepy kids. Um, my name's Dan, so like when I watched The Shining and there's that little boy Danny, it just scarred me for <laughs> life. I can't take it.
2: You know the movie that really got me was the movie Orphan, where the lady is like a forty-five-year-old woman, but she looks <laughs> oh, like an no. eight-year-old child.
3: Oh, oh no, <laughs> dude, that's a real thing. That really happens to people.
2: I I know, I know, and that in Ooh. those kind of movies where the where it, it's not really like it's just somebody just screwing up your life, that's actually scarier to me than slasher fi- flicks. Yeah,
3: yeah creepy kids man i i cannot take that now and the other one i really liked in their investigation they had video um of of like a poltergeist of something that was interacting with a physical object
2: yes yes and the thing was is the way she told it to me and i got a little bit more clarification um it, it didn't literally pick up the object which is what you would kind of imagine from the way it was originally told um, but the light just flicked ah. on, but there was really no reason for the light to flick on. And there was no physical interaction to cause the light to flick on. I but it see. shifted so it from could be... on or from off to on um, <coughs> without being moved, which I, I think does indicate that there's some, um, they call it transmutation. Um, that some, It's almost like something reached up through the table, got the on switch, flipped it on. Or um was able to interact with just that on switch without interacting with the rest of the uh, um, device or the stuff around it
3: uh, Oh yeah, or was somehow able to energize the LED or filament or whatever this uh, you know flameless candle was operating on.
2: Exactly, or they were literally able to manipulate the electricity around it, um, which it, it's great. it's the, those kind of that kind of evidence is is amazing and it's what. Um, these paranormal investigators are truly looking for. Um, you know, I mentioned to her, you know, I, I feel like uh, the most common uh, things to find and notice discrepancies is the human human beings. And it's unfortunate that, um, that electronics seem to fail often around um, these different incidences. And I do think that that has something to do with it. I think that they can manipulate electronics or manipulate... Um, electrical fields and they use that to their advantage to avoid being detected.
3: Now, you know, Lee, now that you are mentioning, uh, electricity. Um, so I told you, I was talking to my workers about this Albion college, right? Yeah. They started telling me about the place where we work. Okay. How things will like turn on randomly, uh, and, like, we work at a bean warehouse. There's a lot of machinery. A lot. And, uh, you know, if guys are working the swing shift where there's only one or two dudes in the whole place at night, it's a big building, and it's scary as heck. Um, and for something to randomly switch on when you're in there trying to do your job, maybe all by yourself, it, it'll, it uh, you know, it'll shrink your sphincter. It's scary. <laughs> And and here's the thing. That's not the only story they told me. Um, they've had objects like leap from the wall, and I was like, I was like, okay, guys, come on. Now you're now you're just trying to scare me, right? Um, but no, uh, he was one of uh, the coworker who had broken into this college, which I don't recommend, by the way. Um, him and another guy were there, and they're like, no, dude, we both saw it. Um, there's a large a large peg in the wall flung itself across the room no reason
1: Ooh.
3: The, yeah they're there at night they're mixing chemicals that, like no machinery's really running and then all of a sudden boom clang Ooh. this thing just flies out of the wall in another room they go in to check and I pi- I picked up this peg. It was heavy. Like, this isn't the kind of thing that just flies across the room. Not unless, if I was gonna get it across the room, I would have to throw it. Mhm. So it's so, yeah, it's not
2: something that's just blown around. It has to physically be yeah. interacted <laughs> yeah. with. Yeah.
3: A, a draft is not gonna take this thing, mm-hmm. you know, twenty feet from one end of the room to the other. Oh. So, now. Are you, are you ready for the creepiest story, though?
2: All right, let's go. I'm settled in. I'm going to okay. buckle my seatbelt.
3: Uh, okay, so um, we we run a swing shift that has a skeleton crew. They have to have two guys there um, in case something happens. So there's only two guys there, and it's like 11 o'clock at night. It's the winter. It's dark, right? Um, And it's been dark for, like, seven hours now because it gets dark early, right? And they're in there uh, cleaning beans, you know, doing their jobs. And from one of the warehouses comes a deafening crash. They said, they recounted to me that they thought It was a box of beans. These boxes are metal. They're four by four by four. They hold over a ton of beans, right? They thought it was one of these boxes crashing down from 10 or 15 feet up. We stack them up three or four high. Okay. Or sometimes even five or six. So they go into the warehouse Hearing this enormous sound, something that couldn't be made without some kind of force, serious force. There's no bean box on the ground. There's no mess.
2: There's just nothing?
3: There's nobody. Nothing. They clocked out and went home for the night. (laughs) I would too. I'd be like, I'm done. I'm done. That's it. Shut down the machines. We're going home. That's it. <laughs> so, they meant- they were convinced they had heard something crash to the floor.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's a common thing actually. Um there is a um there was a poltergeist activity. I can't remember who it happened to, but this family, um oh, it was on the Bellwitch Plantation, right up um right up here. There's a family that moved into that location, and they report hearing crashes from their fine china every night. And they go to investigate. There's nothing there. It did not happen. Like, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ooh. yeah, so they, they, they're <laughs> in bed asleep, and they hear what sounds like somebody's opened their china cabinet and pulled the china out and just started throwing it on the ground. And they go in to look, and there is... <laughs>
3: Um, it's just as it was. It's every, everything's as they left it. Dude, that one got me. Cause the sound of a plate falling is, it's so specific. Like any of us can imagine exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly the way it sounds. Ooh.
2: Exactly. Ooh. And they say that happens to them regularly to the point where now they know that it's not happening and they just turn over and go to sleep. <laughs> wow and and what else can make that sound exactly exactly is it like residual is it something that um that happened in the past during a um a violent episode at, in the middle of the night and uh they're just na- they're just hearing the repeat of that incident every time or what is it
3: Ooh, <laughs> wow i that one's a real head scratch and then like you know a lot of what people think of Think might be paranormal might actually have a, a natural explanation, <laughs> but what in nature sounds like a plate shattering?
2: Yes, exactly. What kind of na- natural thing that could happen that would? I mean, uh, did a did a bird fly into their window? No, like that's the only other thing I can imagine. <laughs> like a rock being yeah, thrown like, through you a have window. A
3: pile of dead birds every night. <laughs> <laughs> Just wake up to a whole pile of dead birds in front of your house. I mean, that'd be pretty freaky, too. I guess that would be a sign of a too. I'm going
2: to be honest with you. If I woke up to a pile of dead birds in front of my house, I might just move.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I might just be like, nope, I, done. Oh, ooh, yeah. Well, e. I mean, if the state didn't force you to move, you know, you could be harming an endangered species, Lee, with your house <laughs> sitting there.
2: That happens Gosh. to be in the way of their flight path. <laughs> like, yeah. Think
3: about the animals, Lee. Oh,
2: my God. PETA would be flipping out right now with me.
3: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I hope there is nobody from PETA listening. <laughs> me, too. Look, I, I love animals just as much as the next person. I love them on my plate also. I can't help it. <laughs> That's okay. It's <laughs> absolutely okay. They're so, so good. God, so tasty.
2: <laughs> so, um... Dan, you told me about some stories that happened with um, with your coworkers and at at work at your place of business. I actually have one of my own um, that happened um, while I was at work. Um, so I used to work for a large um, corporation that um, rhymes with Smallmart, uh, and oh, I yeah, see. They, they, <laughs>
1: it's
2: you know, it's not exact. I mean, I don't think you'll guess who it is, but yes. And I was the overnight manager for (laughs) a time, and uh, that particular store we closed at night. Um, So what that meant for us to do is when I I was a salaried manager and when my associates went to break, I was required to wait in the vestibule and eat my lunch in the vestibule to allow the associates back in after we, uh, uh, you know, when they're done eating lunch or when they're done out in their car doing whatever they're doing. So I'm sitting in the yes. vestibule. It's like 2:30, uh, we'll say 2:45 in the morning, because um, the br- lunch break was always between two and three o'clock. So I'm pretty sure I'm pretty accurate on the time frame, and it's quiet. Nobody's back from lunch yet. I don't even have people out front smoking right now. Um, it's just absolute silence in that uh, vestibule, and I'm sitting there. I'm I've got my headphones in. I'm watching something on my Netflix account on my phone, and. And I look up, and I start, like, hearing, like, some movement. I think somebody's at the door, so I kind of look up towards the door. And I look over, and it's actually one of the claw machines. You guys know what the the claw machines, I mean, the thing that grabs the... That
3: picks up the toys? Yeah,
2: picks up the stuffed animals and, you know, never gets it quite (laughs) to the little drop bin, but comes close. Well, the claw machine is running through all of its, like... It's just going, like, up, down, sideways, just moving around, dropping, coming back up, moving around again. And while uh, the logical mind in me was like, this has to be some sort of, like, um, I, I don't know, automatic thing, my thing was... Like a test cycle. Yeah, like a test cycle or something like that, that it does automatic, but my thing is, is I'd been on overnights at that point for, I don't know, six months... It had never happened prior to that. And mind you, I was sitting in the vestibule from 2 to 3 a.m. every night that I worked for six months prior to that. And then about six months after that as well, never did that happen again or before that. So to me, like if it was some sort of test cycle, it would have lined up to where that happened once a week, once a month or something like that. I mean, that's at least my well, guess. May,
3: may, maybe it's once a year. Maybe it was its once a year test run, and you just happened to be there. Once a year test cycle. <laughs> it's, it's once a year, 2 a.m. test run that it had to go through. Now, now, Lee, here's the really important question about your story. Did you get a teddy bear?
2: I did not get a teddy bear, but what I did get was even better. I got video of it.
3: Well, oh, really? Yeah.
2: I was sitting on, I was sitting there, I watched this thing for like three minutes and about a minute and a half in, I was like, wait a minute, I have something in my hand that can record um, video and I videotaped it. I will find that video and I will link it in the show notes.
3: It was, it was just freaking out for that long back and forth and all over. Yeah, it
2: was probably longer than that. I feel like five minutes was probably the total length of time.
3: Would, would you say that there was, like, a discernible pattern to its motion?
2: No, nothing nothing that I could recognize as a pattern. It was just, it was, like, going up this little track and then over to the side and then back and then in the middle. And it, it didn't seem to have a pattern that I recognized. I'm sure that, I mean, a com- with a computer it could have been some sort of pattern that I just wasn't seeing. But the last time I checked, human beings were, like, trained from birth or not even trained it's part of our biology we recognize patterns so i think i would have seen something oh
3: yeah totally wow now lee had anyone died recently while playing the claw machine (laughs) no (laughs) but if so (laughs) i wanted to know It's a now that's a mystery. I'm, now you know, um, it's crazy how you can be standing next to a piece of machinery, something that's man-made, something that's so common, something that you see every day, and then when it suddenly flips on, boom, it just blows your mind. Absolutely, um, <laughs> just
2: completely
3: throws you off. You're just like whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's super creepy It's, it's uh, you know, we think of ourselves as masters of our domain at all times But these machines, they're out there doing God knows what, God knows when Yeah, that's true
2: I mean, the, the yeah, robot dude. uprising is soon to be upon us
3: Oh yeah, I for one welcome our robot overlords <laughs> I'm
2: glad you do. I have a podcast that I'll introduce yeah. you to. It is the first of our robot overlords. Um, his name is uh, Conspiracy Bot. He is uh, one third of the amazing <laughs> podcast Hysteria 51. And um, he is, well, he's an alcoholic cat killer, but he is hilarious.
3: Really? Oh, wow. Dude, see, robots, man, like the stuff that they get up to, you know? Golly. <laughs> I, you know what? I just I just hope that some of the future robots are as swole as Arnold in the future so that we can all have a poor body image as well.
2: Yeah, that would be nice. Another thing that I really hope for <laughs> is I hope that
3: the robots develop
2: the same sort of reverence that we have for the animals on our planet.
3: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Like, I, I really love them all, but I also like to eat them, so, <laughs> you know, if they could only treat us with such kindness, I think we'll be okay. Yes,
2: exactly. Or, you know, like, uh, just ruining the uh, the atmosphere and um, thinking, ah, that's future me's problem. Yeah.
3: We'll build better robots to take care of that later. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. No, we're, we're.
2: All right, go ahead. Dan, I did have one more thing to add with that. I did have a support manager that worked with me on that shift, and he swore there was a ghost. Um, he had no reason to believe there was a ghost, as did I have no reason to believe there was a ghost, other than he would say, or he would see things move at night. Um, and he was on overnights for years. Um, I don't know if it was built on an Indian burial ground. That's my best guess, because if Small Mart was to do anything, I would imagine they would build something on an Indian burial ground.
3: Oh, you know, you now, Lee, you know that I used to work with Small Mart. I, I, you know. I, I do. And I used I used to be a night stalker. That was my very first job. I was a night stalker. <laughs> That sounds pretty. That sounds really, really cool. When you go in to put that on your tax forms, I'm a night stalker, but it's not quite as interesting as the name implies. Well, I mean,
2: <laughs> you have you have a namesake in that atmosphere as well. I mean, you've got the night stalker, um, serial killer. So you might want to, oh they, yeah they might want to rethink that name.
3: Yeah, and not to mention Kojak, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, n- you know, when I actually, now this is back on to the subject, when I worked overnights at Walmart, we had um, a I'm sorry,
2: where did you say you worked?
3: The, oh, so, oh, okay, hold on. <laughs> <clears throat> when I worked overnights at uh that big box retailer that's, that we both have in common. That's better. We um, we just don't want to get sued. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's okay. I'm will make it legit. Um, <laughs> so we were. I was at this big box retailer, and we had a a bit of a tragedy. One of the employees uh, committed suicide, and it was actually terrible. Um, but for months afterwards, a number of people, uh, some people who. Had not ever met this person, uh, said that they would see a shape in the corner where he used to work. Um, and it was, you know, it was pretty creepy for a while, but, um, you know, everyone, everyone moved on and I think, uh, things got back to normal. Yeah, maybe he, he, and of course, of course, they did a remodel and the store was bigger and better and they hired all new people and, uh, yeah, it all went away. Yeah, yeah.
2: All right, sir. Yeah, um, Dan. I heard that you might have a personal story of your own. Um, did you want to tell me some about that?
3: Okay, so that was like
2: the most awkward segue I, possible. But we're segueing now. Yeah, you're okay. welcome.
3: <laughs> Super segue. <laughs> All right. Um, would I would I like to tell you about my personal story, Lee? You bet I would. Um, <laughs> so check this out. We moved in to a house here in Southern Idaho. And um, the old landlord's uh, mother had lived there. Or mother-in-law, excuse me. Mother-in-law. And she was in hospice care. And, like, I don't know if she died in our master bedroom, but she was dying in our master bedroom. Um, And one of her wishes... Was for this room where she spent, uh, you know, the last days of her life, to be painted purple, purplely. I'm talking lavender on the walls and on the ceiling, plum purple. I I All think right? that sounds um, amazing. <laughs> you know what? It's actually it wasn't bad. I mean it just it just wasn't for us. You know, like it wasn't just purple. It was purple. And, you know, uh, we didn't want to sleep in a purple room, so we painted it when we moved in. I think it sounds perfect Um, for Prince, though.
2: Was that? I think it sounds perfect for Prince, though. You should have given him a call.
3: Oh, you know, he was still alive back then. Um, We should have. We should have played Purple Rain while we painted it. You know what? That was a missed opportunity. Yep you should have with the what like with the one
2: time it rains in southern idaho like that one time a year you should have just opened the windows and let the rain drizzle and then played purple rain
3: yeah you know what i think we would have just played it once or twice while we painted it and called it good but anyway fine <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we're painting this room and the color we picked, I'm not going to say it's beige, but it was like beige adjacent. Right? <laughs> um, very, very neutral color. Very, very different from the purple, the purple that was on the walls. So. Okay.
2: Probably a good plan.
3: So, you, you know, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Um. Let me so, ask you: How many coats so of this pur- uh,
2: beige adjacent um, paint did you have to put on that purple to get it covered?
3: Uh, so we did a primer and two coats. Okay, yeah, so we were pretty serious. That's about not too this. bad. You still had to do um, a primer,
2: but y- yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we um we had painted the first coat of uh, whatever taupe. I don't know, beige tan. Brown co- I don't know, whatever color it is. <laughs> we had put the first coat on. And uh it was night. Uh we went to sleep in the other room, cause you don't want to sleep in a room that's all, you know, paint fumey. And we had sealed the cans and we had set them on the floor. And we shut the door to keep the uh animals out. You know, we have a cat and a couple dogs and so, we shut the door. And that morning, well, early that morning, sometime in the night, I distinctly remember waking up to some kind of bump. Like you know, I I know it's very cliche, a bump in the night, but there was a there was something. I heard it, a thud, and I woke up and I said, "What was that?" And I I just wrote it off, you know. Uh, this was one of our first nights in a new house. You know how you always have that weird feeling. You sleep in a new place. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's just how it is. And so we went in to the bedroom we had painted uh, that morning, and one of the paint cans had spilled on the floor. Door closed. No cats. No nothing. The, this paint can sitting on the floor had spilled itself over. And, you know, the the prevailing theory is that the room's previous occupant was not pleased with our choice of colors.
2: Well, I mean, you did choose a, a very neutral color. I'm sure she was fine with it.
3: Look, You know... To go from that purple to blah brown, uh, it it was a pretty jarring change. Now personally, I kind of like it. you know, it's just a room and it's a you know a little bit darker than white, so it's nice to sleep in. Uh, but <laughs> um, I'm telling you something knocked that paint can over and there was no one in that room that night, I guarantee. That's creepy. Yeah, so it was pretty weird. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the thing is, Lee. Years, many years later. Um, in fact, uh, just a little bit before you asked me to uh, guest on this podcast, uh, I told this story to a friend, and I was I was poo pooing the supernatural and the paranormal. All oh, those ghost investigators. None of that stuff's real. Blah blah blah. Right. And I told this story. That night, I heard a bump in the night. I thought it was someone coming into my house. And I got out of bed, and I went into the hall, and I looked down, and I swear to you, I saw a shape of a woman floating in my house. Um, just, just right there. Right outside my living room Right next to the kitchen And straight down the hall It turned And it came at me Down the hallway And I fell backwards And I screamed I screamed as loud as I could And I woke up To my wife Shaking me As I, a grown man Screamed in bed With night terrors
2: See, that, that, when you have a dream like that, like, it is tough to get a grown man, like, not, like, like, I've been scared in bed, and, you know, jumped up, but screaming with night terrors, that was like a sign, don't you think?
3: Uh, y- yeah, I, I'm, t- I think I went a little too hard with my, uh, repudiation of paranormal activity, and I, I, I don't know if it was in my head. I don't know if it was from the other side. I can't tell you what it was, but I just know that I had one of the most vivid dreams I've ever had uh, in probably a, probably a decade. I I gotta be honest with you. Since, since I was in high school, my vivid dreaming has dropped off dramatically, but this was a shot in the arm. It was wild and crazy. And uh, I got to tell you, it's part of the reason why I decided to uh, come and guest on this pod.
2: Okay. I'm glad you did because I really like, I mean, I'm sure the listeners will agree, but I really like our um, our rapport and the, um, and the way you deliver. I'm, I'm absolutely okay with you being skeptical. Um, I'm skeptical, too, about a lot of things, uh, but I think it's going to be a great mix for us.
3: Yeah, totally. And now, Lee, I, I got to tell you, before we get too far, I have a theory. Are you ready for okay. that? Okay. So my theory is, is that a lot of our paranormal experiences exist in a place between our animal brain and our conscious human brain. You get what I mean? Okay.
2: I see what you're saying. So are you saying that um, that the the lizard brain inside of my head is always on alert and prepared for removing me from dangerous situations?
3: Yeah, yeah. I like to call it my monkey brain cuz I'm I think of myself more like a monkey, but like, you know, you have all this instinct to notice like grass rustling and motion in the night. And your brain is hardwired by millions of years of evolution to tell you that is something scary. Okay. You know? Um, and so it's that that part of your brain that's reflexive, that's instinctual. It's also giving information to your conscious brain so that you will act. Right? Okay. Um, And somewhere in between, we perceive things that maybe aren't there, or maybe, now this is another theory, uh, offshoot, uh, maybe this is the space where we can actually perceive the paranormal. Okay. If there is something out there, there is some kind of stimulus that your conscious brain doesn't recognize but your monkey brain does. Okay. So that would also explain why my dog
2: stares at the wall and screen and barks at it for like minutes at a time. Oh.
3: Totally. Totally. And uh, another explanation for why sometimes electronics can pick up these phenomenon but you cannot. There's some kind of space that exists below the level of your conscious brain that that has to be informed by something else, by electronics, by animals, by instinct. Okay.
2: Um, So you're thinking like it can actually detect some of these changes that we don't um, actually perceive with our conscious brain anymore. Uh, I can see that. I can really see that. I mean, on my side, um, I've got a theory as well, uh, and I like your theory. It actually really really works well. And in fact, I personally think that it could be part of like it could be a, an all-encompassing, like the start of an all-encompassing theory, wherein um, my theory is that if if ghosts and and other things like that do exist, I, I believe that it's possible that it's not necessarily dead people or um, or dead relatives. It could very well be relatives of you or of of the person. Um, but I feel like it's possibly um, Dimensional Shifts and the reason that I, I Think like that is because there's a lot of different Stories that I my, my, my Outlook looks at and it's not just Ghost stories I also look at things Like um, like People that believe that Bigfoot exists and walks Among us which I personally think that there's A possibility I don't want to pass that Possibility up I'm not I'm, I'm not convinced I haven't found Proof that proves it to me but I, I never write it off um, Bigfoot and other animals like that of time shifts I don't know if you've heard of this before Dan but there are people that have tell stories that they have been um, walking or going to uh, they were on their honeymoon the most common one that I've heard this lady was on her honeymoon this fam, this man and woman and they go into this uh, th- this hotel in Europe that was supposed to be a beautiful hotel really nice and, and it's it's like run down and it's it doesn't have good food. The food is like grog, essentially, and uh, and and they get to their room. There's like no electricity, and 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 it feels like they're back in the 1700s. And they're like, oh, I guess I didn't realize we were we were at a uh, um, we were signing up to go to a reenactment um, hotel, and, and they they wrote it off, and they slept the night, and then they get up and they leave, and the next morning they go to their next destination. And they're telling somebody about the about their stay and the person looks at them like, what are you talking about? And turns out that there was never uh, like one of those kind of like a reenactment or something like that, like Knights of the Round Table kind of thing um, th- that didn't exist. This was an, uh, an up-to-date hotel hmm. with Wi-Fi and all this other stuff. So wherever they were staying, which was at the right location in the right town... Um, must have been from some other time or some other dimension. And uh, the going theory is that people can, uh, and it's not the only story, but that's a quick one. The growing theory is that people can uh, accidentally shift through time to a different time frame where maybe that hotel did exist there, um, but in like the 16 or 1700s. And when when you think about stuff like that, if, if you're thinking that we're shifting through time, you know, I, I don't know if time travel is really possible, but is interdimensional travel possible and dimen- and the different dimensions are on different time lanes, which would put us um, running congruently where time is running congruently at all time frames. Therefore, you could potentially shift into another timeline and see something from history um, with maybe slight differences or no differences at all. Um, but then shift back into your own timeline? And if that's the case, is it possible that things like uh, Gigantopithecus is travel is doing the same thing by accident, accidentally shifting into our timeline um, and being seen by hunters and outdoorsmen, and they're seeing Bigfoot, uh, they're really seeing a Gigantopithecus um, that is actually from its own timeline but accidentally ended up in ours for a short period of time.
3: Intriguingly, very intriguing. In fact, I now, I remember from the Bigfoot episode that you and Mike did, uh, this extra-dimensional Bigfoot theory, and I got to tell you, I kind of love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one of the best Bigfoot theories out there. Um,
2: and it's not meant to be like it, Bigfoot is an extra-dimensional being. It, It's more, could they be accidentally shifting between dimensions and, right,
3: right. It has much larger implications for things like the multiverse theory of the universe, which
2: is a which is a, a theory that is actually upheld by science scientists right now. They do believe that that's possible. Yeah,
3: all kinds of weird quantum mechanics out there that indicate there could be uh, some kind of extra dimensional force that actually acts in this universe that we can perceive, that we can measure, that we can observe. Mm-hmm. So who knows, man? That is, that is a trip. And you know, if uh, you know our ghosts are are somehow interacting with us from these extra dimensions, are we perceiving them as people that we recognize? Are they actually people that we recognize because our timelines are? Uh, so close together who knows exactly
2: and and see they could be Ooh. seeing it as ghosts as well um they or they could be seeing it as visions of the future
3: oh wow so like when you see a ghost they see you as a yeah, guy or
2: something like that or they see it as a vision Ooh. of the future and they're like oh my god
3: now that is a trip that is a woo. Now we're getting psychedelic. I, I know, really.
2: I know. And then let's let's go let's go another step in there, and we're gonna I'm gonna hearken back to our. Uh...
3: Oh, dude, let's go down this <laughs> rabbit hole. Let's go all the way down. All
2: right, I'm gonna hearken back to our simulation theory episode, and the theory Ooh, that, I love that extra episode. dimensions, okay, like the the multiverse dimension theory, can be encompassed in that, whereas we're just multiple programs running on the same computer. Like I've got word document on one screen on my computer here and I've got cakewalk running on the other screen here. It's the same basic thing. And occasionally things overlap.
3: Wow. Whew. Wild and crazy. (laughs) That was deep we got we got in deep right there we got into the multiverse we got into simulation theory we got into Bigfoot and it all came from real ghost stories things that people saw things that people related to us real experiences that you and I and probably a lot of our listeners have had
2: yeah and you know I'm not saying that any of that's real but if or that any of those have any connections at all. But I think that ruling out the possibility that there is the possibility of a connection um, is not fair to any genre. You always hear about um, Bigfoot hunters say ghost hunters are crap and ghost hunters saying, oh, Bigfoot's not real. Um, I think that there's, there's always a possibility that there's some interconnecting force that creates that, that possibility for all of them to be created in some way or another
3: wild and crazy well i did a little looking up before we did this roughly 60 percent of americans depending on which poll you look at it can be like 55 or 50 um but over half of americans believe that places can be haunted by spirits uh from the past really so uh oh yeah well over half of americans believe that uh there is some kind of paranormal force that exists okay. uh wow out there. That... now of course it it drops down a little bit when you get into the bigfoot yeah. territory but yeah, I, i'm with you on um, that so so let me ask you this
2: question did you happen to sure. look up how many americans believe the global warming is real
3: Oh, no. Uh, You know, um, no, I didn't. But you know what? I wouldn't be shocked if the number was not that much higher than the people who believe in uh, ghosts and hauntings. No, this
2: isn't to call, like, it's not to call anybody out, but it's just kind of funny. Like, I want to see those kind of comparisons. And going forward, maybe I'll look at those. When we're looking at numbers like that, we'll look at, like, different... Um, slightly controversial statements like uh, vaccines and other things like that and just see the correlation between people believing in things, the crazy things that we're talking about and people believing in the crazy things that celebrities are talking about.
3: <laughs> yeah, dude, it's wild. It's it's crazy how an idea can get into the social media to the, to the zeitgeist and just explode, whether it's true or not. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's the power of this digital age that we live in. And, you know, maybe, guys, if you're out there listening, um, take some time to think about some of these ideas, some of these things that you see online. Uh, and Take it with a grain of salt. Do some research. You know, don't believe us just because we talk to people who saw some ghosts or we all believe in global Whatever. Go find out for yourself and don't believe any memes you see on Facebook Uh, figure it out
2: look for your own proof or look for your own um reason to believe in whatever you believe in and that's what I think that I hope our show helps with that in some way
3: yeah dude yeah I, I love the idea of telling stories that are fun that get people interested in the weird and obscure corners of this world and this universe uh because there's all kinds of things that we're finding out are interconnected um things that we thought weren't real that are I, I mean stuff there's a lot of stuff out there that can be explored and i hope some people are inspired to uh find out for themselves absolutely absolutely All right, man. Well, that sounds like that's a pretty, pretty good deal. That's a lot of coverage that we've done. I know. Here. We? Do you think that's? Do you think that's it? You think that's the show? I think that's the show, guys.
2: I hope you really enjoyed our first show of our new format. Um, this is going to be coming out fairly regularly. Uh, just so you're aware, there is going to be a delay between this episode coming out and the next episode that comes out with a with both myself and dan dan's got a few things that he's going to work on squaring away and hopefully we'll have him um on the show full-time with us come about the first of the year is that about right dan
3: yeah guys i'm yeah yeah i'm working on moving i gotta move across the country so that's a pretty big deal but uh hopefully once we get settled in i can make this uh, a full-time stop you know
2: i'm excited to have him aboard Um, Going forward, I'll probably put out a few more mini episodes and we're going to uh, I've got an interview with uh, um, a beautiful man. He's amazing. I don't know why I said beautiful. He's got a beautiful spirit. Um, His name is William Dorian (laughs) and he's got a book out called The Holy Water Incident. And um, I'm reading it right now. It's a good read. Uh, Please, guys stick with me I hope you guys hear this one maybe I'll see if I can talk Dan into coming in and just discussing the interview with me um, for a few minutes uh, before we cut him out for a few months um, so stay with us you can as always you can find us on Facebook Twitter Apple Pod stitcher Google Play Dan is running our Twitter feed so if you want to touch base with him um, he's happy to uh, and excited to be a part of that
3: yes dude all you beyonders out there that are in the Twitterverse, hit me up follow us at uh what is it beyond t pod at beyond t pod
2: okay at beyond t pod i'm excited um i'm not a twitter guy i've got twitter and i will be on the um on it and trying to interact but i am not a twitter guy so yay <laughs>
3: <laughs> lee's got the facebook unlocked, though guys <laughs> If you're Facebook people, go to Lee on Facebook. He's got it. All
2: right, Beyonders, thank you for listening, and have a wonderful day.
3: We'll catch you out there, Beyonders. Have a good one.
2: Our theme song that you are listening to right now was created by Mike Reed, who happens to be the co-creator of this podcast. All of the music you heard during this podcast was created by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. More information regarding Kevin and Incompetech.com will be provided
1: in our show notes we